Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. We are back. It is Wednesday. Well, it is not Wednesday as I record this, but it is Wednesday as this drops. And hopefully you've got your listening routine back in place. And Stacking Slabs is a part of it. My bad. Last week, that was unfortunate. I had a streak going, and there's some irony to this. So, walk you through what was going on. So, I was waiting for the episode to get back to me, and I was sitting there last Tuesday evening, and I was watching Annie biographies on Goldberg. I kid you not. If you're not watching these biographies, wrestling fan or not, check it out. I don't have Annie. For whatever reason, YouTube doesn't give it to me. So I did a little uh, hack into uh, maybe my dad's cable provider and uh, got the stream going just so I could watch these things. But I'm watching this episode of Goldberg and watching his biography. And obviously, if you know anything about Goldberg, you remember the streak during the Monday Night Wars. And it tells the whole story, but I'm seeing this whole conversation and throwback to the streak and you know what i got a little bit of a streak going here i had kind of released new episodes every wednesday and friday since i started this damn thing well when i went to bed checked episode was available went to go listen to it and realized quickly we had a problem and that problem was i had bad low quality audio and i just did not feel right sending it to you all, putting it out there. Sounded like shit. So, instead of publishing a low-quality episode, I decided, you know what? I'm going to put this out there, tell everyone, my bad, and we're going to move on. And that's what we're doing. So, again, if you missed out on your stacking slabs on Wednesday, try not to have it happen again. We had some technical difficulties. That happens on this side of the table every now and again, but I promise you I'm going to try to deliver an episode that gets you going this week and gets you thinking about how you can enjoy the hobby a little more. So, while the perfect streak has come to an end, we're starting a new one today, by God. And I will tell you this, football season is imminent, okay? It's imminent. We're going to talk about some of the... Uh, football things. We're going to talk about some, um, I want to dig into some hobby myths. I've been thinking a lot about some things that I hear regularly that just aren't true. I think we're, we hear a lot of things in the mainstream inside and outside of the hobby regularly that just aren't true. And so why not kind of try to debunk some of these myths and figure, you know, I can't do it myself, but why not ask the hobby? Ask the hobby. Hobby gave me some responses. We're going to share those responses. But I could just, since I missed last Wednesday and I've got a kind of a lot of thoughts on my mind, I just figured, you know, we'd get into it. I will say I spent this weekend consuming an absurd amount of preseason football. I like preseason football. Call me crazy. I enjoy the 
jockeying of positions, battling it out for your last spot. I don't care what team I'm watching. I just like watching it. I'm a football junkie. My team played this weekend in Buffalo. Biggest thing was there was no significant injuries. Obviously, in preseason, there's some things that look good, other things that don't look good. But you know what? You got to just say it's preseason. So excited to see the Colts back on the field. I will be going on Saturday to Lucas Oil to check out the Lions and Colts preseason action. Pumped for it, okay? I don't think any of the starters are going to play, but again, I just want to see the depth. I want to see people battling it out for their spots. I think I'm in the minority here. Maybe, maybe not. But if you're out there and you enjoy preseason football, let me know. I sure as hell do. But I'm also, I admit, I'm a little weird when it comes to that. WWE Select dropped this past week. So we got another um, uh, Panini product. You had Prism. You had uh, Revolution. Now we're seeing Select. I think they look good. I think the um, the ringside golds, especially, just I like the field level, uh, you know, in football. But the, the ringside is what they're called in the WWE product. Good shots. Good action shots. Made a little bit of a uh i try not after the prism deal i was like i'm not gonna get out and get swept into it and i actually have said this i think the 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 select drop has been a lot more enjoyable for collectors because it hasn't gone as parabolic sure you're gonna there's been some big sales and big cards have already been pulled and they've been sold on ebay and such but i think as a collector you know, you're able to get some of the cards you want at a more affordable price than when Prism drops, which is natural. But I think you're seeing like a, a three three x difference in price. Um, I know I want a card that I, if it were Prism and it was the week of the release, it would have probably been outside my range. But I'm excited about that. I think these cards look good. I like the select product in general. So if you're out there and you are um, ripping select, buying select, um, would love to see it. Share your cards. Tag me at Stacking Slabs and might as well plug it. You can follow me at Stacking Slabs across all those social channels. Um, But yeah, I'm enjoying the select product. I've got the safe listings um, kind of uh, queued up, checking those regularly because, you know, a lot of the good cards right when the product drops uh, hits and you want an app bad at it, sometimes that's your best time to do it. One of the things that happened that you just don't like to see on the preseason side of the football is the the Zach Wilson of it all. I think, ugh, man, I was out with my family. I pulled up Twitter, saw the clip, and just felt the agony. Luckily, it sounds like the injury is probably not going to be as significant as it was uh, originally reported or what was originally going through everyone's thoughts. Um, But yeah, it sucks. I think that's the worst part about preseason. But then I thought about immediately, just because this is how we're uh, wired in the hobby, I just thought about over the last two to three months, all of the Zach Wilson cards that I've seen listed at prices and sales that were just completely maniacal. And we just get caught up into this because we're the hobby and that's what we do. But and then this is coming off the heels of the conversation I had with Luke on Andrew Luck, who's the surest thing of them all until his sudden retirement just shows the risk. I think we all have or we all put on ourselves when we uh, spend a lot of money 
on high in or unproven high end products of quarterbacks that are just getting going. I think my mindset when I went to the Dallas show a year ago was it's like right and I keep bringing up Mahomes Brady Super Bowl but it really football cards really seem to take off and I think we have data to prove that t- took off after that and there was a lot of momentum and when I went to the Dallas show I just looked in the showcases and saw rookie young second year third year quarterbacks in almost every showcase went to the National in Chicago a year ago, same difference. I got caught up into it. And I think the question that I have to ask myself when, you know, everyone's out there you know, buying these guys is, is what, what's the intention? Okay. What is your intention? And again, this show and my perspective on the hobby in general, it's like operate how you want, do what makes you happy. But I think um, sometimes we need to dig in a little bit at the surface level and try to understand why we're doing the things we're doing and spending the type of money we're spending on players that haven't really done much yet. To be honest with you, part of my evolution in the hobby, I got caught up in this. So I got caught up in it right when I got back and got serious into football cards. I was buying players that I collect today i.e. Peyton Manning having a lot of fun but I also realized that you know what like I kind of want to invest and collect one of these players that I think is exciting I enjoy watching and that's what happened with Kyler Murray okay he was exciting but I didn't necessarily have a connection and so I thought it was fun to watch another team and kind of root for another player but was I really rooting for him or was I really rooting for his cards to go up? That's the question I was asking myself kind of on the other side of it. And I look at the, um, the money that I had spent on Murray and luckily like I was able to get out of my Murray stuff and get into Manning stuff, which in retrospect was a move that I'm happy that I did at the time that I did it. But I was caught up in the, the the let's get excited about that player stepping on the field. Let's overpay for their cards and let's hope those cards go up. I have in the law, if you look at the, my, like kind of my process and what I did, I basically took, took out my Kyler Murray collection, put it into Peyton Manning. And instead of collecting Kyler Murray, I started collecting Phillip Rivers. Now I know Phillip Rivers isn't playing and it is probably not this, sexiest uh, guy to collect at this point in his life cycle as an NFL player, but I think it's more sustainable. I think there's a likelihood of Phillip Rivers um, going into the Hall of Fame, and at the end of the day, it's what makes me happy. Like There is some connection I have with Phillip Rivers that I don't necessarily have with Kyla Murray. So it, it really got me thinking, and I'm trying to explore, like what are the reasons why we get so caught up in these guys that haven't really done much and we but we want to attach ourselves to and a big part of that is potential and there's a lot of other elements and I'm going to get into those elements here in a second before I do that I thought it might be interesting to take some data look at this point last year to now what some of these quarterbacks who are younger have done from a a card price perspective and see if these investments that we make as the hobby are good or if they're not necessarily great. So 
I think first and foremost, the one thing that we need to realize, and I think this is a gut check, and it's a gut check that I've had, and I kind of use this whenever I'm buying cards. And it's just like when you see the price of a card and you want that card, and you, I, I think first you got to take off the table, like you're buying, if you're buying a card, and this typically doesn't happen with younger, unproven talent, but if you're buying the card because you love the player and there's, it makes sense in your collection and you just want the card, then obviously like the value of the card and what happens to it doesn't matter as much. But my thoughts are based on the content, based on the narrative, based on everything else we see that if you're buying a, a player that is unproven at a certain price, your hope is that they go on the field, show that they're a great player, and that card value goes up. Well, even in some cases when we see this happening, the the price goes down because of the hype. So I think it's always a safe bet just to look at the car, the card price and say, is this actually what this player should be valued and is worth? And does it actually have an opportunity to 2x and 3x? And if so, what are those things that would have to take place in order for that player to do that? I think those are just questions we should be asking ourselves. So I look at 2018, and we're going to go through some years. Man, what a wild year of quarterbacks. So you have Baker Mayfield, which the Baker Mayfield of it all could be a whole another collecting investing uh, episode that or whole episode by itself that we could host here on the Stagging Slabs podcast. But in a year's time, if you remember before last season, you know, there was Baker Mayfield mania going on. Browns winning playoff games. And then last year, obviously didn't shake out. And then on the other side of it, we all know what happened with the Browns. And now Baker's in Carolina. But his cards have gone down 68% from last year. Okay. Now you got his new teammate who is also in that draft. So we got two 2018 quarterbacks, first rounders on the Carolina Panthers. Sam Darnold hasn't really worked out. But again, people, there was a transition and people probably got excited. His cards are down 51%. Okay. Now, Lamar Jackson, and I'm, there's many names. I'm not going to talk about Josh Rosen. I'm not going to talk about Mason Rudolph or Mike White, which Mike White, he might actually get some snaps here. But um, Lamar Jackson, he had he was injured. Still phenomenal player, right? He, you know, MVP could take the, I think anyone believes he could probably take the Ravens to the Super Bowl. His cards are down 7%. Now, the only player whose cards are up in 2018 are who? We all know. Josh Allen. His cards are up 123%. So if you bought any of these players, the one you should have bought was Josh Allen, if you care about the value of those cards. And so you, you got a winner and you got a bunch of losers. Not They're not all losers, but just losers in value over um, the last year. Now, Josh Allen's, and by the way, this data is all um, being pulled by Card Ladder. Shout out to the Card Ladder team. You, Josh Allen's chart is actually very, very interesting. It's just like stair step up. It's like exactly what you'd want to have happen if you invested in a player. Now you got to be careful because likely those types of charts don't go up forever. But we won't get into that. 2019, Kyler Murray from last year, down 9%. Daniel Jones, down 
Drew Locke down 50%. So out of 2019, buying their cards from this point last year, everyone is down. We won't talk about Will Greer. We know other people like to talk about Will Greer. We won't talk about Gardner Minshew either, but that's what's going on with 2019. Now 2020, we got a couple winners. We all know who those winners are. Joe Burrow, obviously, went to the Super Bowl up 200%. Justin Herbert, a lot of hype on him too, and still up 46%. Got the play to prove it. Tua, down 30%. Jordan Love, down 65%. Jalen Hurts, down 17%. So out of those, and then you look at this year, we're still on the hype train. I'd like to see him hit the field again, but you got, you know, we're going to be looking at Trevor Lawrence, Will, Zach Wilson. Hopefully he gets back on the field sooner rather than later. Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Davis Mills, lots of them. But anyways, we get into this mix and you look at all these years and buying cards, there's only three quarterbacks you'd still be good on at this point. So that's interesting to me. And I think about the reasons why. Like, why does this happen? Why do we get so swept up into this? And I think mostly we've got the hobby mainstream to blame, okay? Point blank, straight up. Influencers influencing the minds of their audiences. And then those people go and buy these cards. To be honest with you, like I look at this and I'm like, man, you've got these influencers out there. And I think about the national, I think about all the clips and videos from this year. It's like, to me, it seems like the demo that the influencers are resonating with are a demo of people that are, they're coming back into the hobby, returning and don't know any better. People who are younger and consume content on YouTube regularly and whatever they're seeing and hearing these people say, they look at these people as celebrities because they have a YouTube channel or these people just don't know any better. So I think the influencers of it all and the loud, them standing up, talking to the mountains, making these young unproven quarterbacks seem like they're the next Peyton Manning, seem like they're the next Tom Brady, probably isn't a good thing. And the people who are following them don't necessarily know any better. So they take what they're saying at face value. You've got auction houses who put these cards up on a pedestal like they're you know the next um, holy grail. You've got sh- these shows and these showcases, and they're everywhere. Clips, they're all over Instagram. It's the way our content is consumed these days. We're showing clips whenever any of these players does anything. We're making a big deal about it on Instagram. You've got the break culture of it all. We're ripping these new products and we're pulling these cards and we're showing these um, on our Instagram and our YouTube and we're making a big deal about it. Oh my God, look at this Mac Jones. Oh my, this Trevor Lawrence insert. Oh my, this Justin Fields, whatever. That's what we see. That's what when we're scrolling through our feeds. Think like... In the hobby, everyone's always been chasing the rookies, but it seems like today it has gotten to the point of we got to take a step back and question. To be honest with you, it just, you think about the value of guys like Tom Brady, the long-term value of guys like Patrick Mahomes, these proven players, and you wonder, it's like, man, why aren't we making a bigger deal about these guys because if when we're pulling bigger cards from them, and it's it seems like it's way more outweighed today by these rookies and an unproven talent. I think it's the hobby boxes. It's you look at them and the way they're marketed. 
manufacturers putting the rookies on the boxes. And I think it's just, uh, I don't know, like there's not a, this isn't a like we shouldn't get excited about rookies and we shouldn't do this. It's more like, hey, let's just like look at the data for a minute and um, make sure that we're not all falling into a trap. And the trap is we invest in all these players who suck and then we leave the hobby because I don't think that's good and it's not good for anyone. To be honest with you, you know who it sucks for most? And I know if you're out there, this resonates with you, but it's collectors who are fans of those teams who draft an exciting rookie and can't buy the cards because there's a bunch of people out there trying to grab them because they heard it on their favorite influencer's TikTok channel that you got to go buy these cards. When the jury's still out and some something is unproven, there's this pass the buck approach. Like, do these people really want these cards? Are they just trying to buy these cards to sell them really quick? I think that happens a lot. And I think you just don't want to get stuck holding the bag on something that of someone who you don't care about. That's mo- what's most important. And sometimes um, you got to rely on um, your instinct. You got to re- you got to fail a little bit. I've I've been there. But I think at the end of the day, you got to go. And if you're collecting football cards or any other sport, spend some time in self-reflection and make sure that the cards you're buying and the intention and the reason you're buying them are something that's sustainable. And it's not something that's more of a gamble or something that's going to cost you a bunch of money if that guy doesn't do something on the field. Like in some cases with these prices, win an MVP, win a Super Bowl in the next two to three years. So I just say that from the top, be safe, do what makes you happy. But at the end of the day, make sure you're buying stuff that you love and has long-term collectability. And I think there's a big difference between collecting in the past versus collecting now. I think one of the things I heard from Joey E-Trader in the episode he put out there, we had a couple weeks ago, is just like likability. Like make sure that if you're buying these cards that you like the player and that you're spending a lot of money that, a lot of other people like the players. You you want to associate the pe- players that you collect with good memories. And it's got to be, today there's so many freaking products. Like literally new products get released all the time. But if you look at these products, like go spend an afternoon in Card Ladder and go look at some of these products that get released regularly and look at, you know, two to three years ago what these cards are doing out of these like mid-tier products. Likely not much because at the end of the day, the hobby views specific products as significant and those products that are significant, again, this isn't a like go do what the hobby does, but I think it's just something you should look at. You should be aware of. Um, some products just don't matter. If you're you know a player collector and you're trying to collect everything, then that doesn't matter. Like you can you just go and, and just buy what you want, build out your collection. But I think just in terms of, collecting to invest and make wanting to wanting your collection to go up over time you got to just you got to pay attention to the products okay you got to pay attention to the scarcity and rarity of it all it's like um so often i see people put these unproven players up on a pedestal and then i think they talk about these cards and there's just like there's 99 copies of this card and this is rpa and it's like thinking to myself it's like you know, in three years, is there really going to be a market where 99 other people want this card if this player doesn't pan out? So I think that's really important. I also think like a good measuring stick is if you need to transact the player and you need to sell the player because something comes up in your life or there's another card that comes up that you want more, it's like 
make sure that there is a community of people out there that care about that player enough that you can go to and sell it if you need to. I think that's really, really important. So just some things I'm thinking about, some things I, I want to share. Um, it, it's The season's about to start, right? And when the season's about to start, we've seen prices of these players go down a little bit. I don't want to be a curmudgeon and say, you know what, you shouldn't be excited about football cards and pour your energy into them. My whole objective and point in this is saying, don't get swept up in the hype because there's a lot of hype beasts out there who are trying to make money off of you. And the way they try to make money off of you is through potential and unproven players. I got a PSA sub back. I went on IG. If you want to check that out, check out my account at Stacking Slabs. It's on my page. Um, came early. I think it was a month turnaround economy, 12 cards. Not bad. The it had been a while since I had subbed stuff. I had been on a wrestling streak of subbing a bunch of stuff, and when I got these cards back, a little older football stuff got some solid grades, some not so solid grades. All PC stuff, so it didn't really matter as much. But it was a good reminder to me that, like, man, yeah, a lot of like with wrestling cards, it always seems like I'm hitting nines or tens because I think they don't move hands a lot. And they stay in one place, but then some of these football cards that have been around for, you know, 20 years, you know, you can't expect to get a gem on them. So I think it was for me, it was like, okay, like you just, you got to put everything into context when, in the type of cards and my mentality. I saw, I hear people like, you know, complain about like the grader or the grading company. It's like, just, just enjoy the damn cards. Like it happens. Like you're not going to win them all. Just enjoy them. And so that's what I'm doing. I love getting cards back from PSA because when I put them, when they're in those slabs, they feel like they're more part of my uniform collection. I know grading isn't for everybody, but it is for me. So enjoying getting those cards back. I've got some cards up for auction um, that end actually today. So excited about those, um, seeing what I get from them, you know? And again, like sometimes you just look at your PC and you're like trying to make moves and do stuff. And you're like, I got to get rid of some cards. So um, I have some some wrestling cards. I got a Roman Reigns Super Fractor. Not any of my babies, but uh, I had a like, Decades Finest insert Super Fractor. It's out there on eBay. If you want to bid tonight, be my guest. Bianca Belair, um, Red Finest out of five refractor uh, for auction. You 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 fit you down with the EST. Be my guest. It's available tonight when this drops. It'll be the auction will um, be going. Um, and then a, a, a rock. Five Timers Club Gold Refractor PSA 10. That one's up too. So, you know, it your collection evolves. Like all cards I love, but, you know, when you tell yourself, you know what, if I sold these, I can get some money and go do some other things. Sometimes that's what you got to do. So always trust your gut and your instinct. One of the things I've, I don't know, we, we hear a lot of hobby pet peeves, okay? And one of the, my biggest pet peeves is this whole like, favorite versus best thing when we're talking about grails and i think we all have our own thoughts on what a grail is and but the the market tells you that well this is what a grail is and i think you can't tell me what a grail is for me um most of the grails that are referenced on the hobby mainstream seem to be liquid right 
you see the same cards in the same auctions. And I think Grail should align with your North Star and should be unique to you. Like, you should never let the majority of people influence you if you think and you want a card because it it means something significant to you. So that's just something I wanted to call out. I think people say best cards all the time. It's like best is subjective. It's like I'm going to go buy cards that are my favorite and what I what I gravitate to. And so I think at the end of the day, the more we can dig into that and the more we can, as collectors, buy the cards that aren't necessarily viewed as the hobby's best but are significant and are are favorites of ours, then we should just continue to lean on that. So I want to talk about some more hobby pet peeves. That was a hobby pet peeve of mine. And one of the pet peeves is some people put out there, this was a couple weeks ago, and this was supposed to be part of the last episode that didn't air, but I, I thought these were good, so I wanted to call them out. So I think one card, one story said, sellers who take too long to ship. I think that's a good one. I think it's really important to set appropriate expectations with the people that you're working with. And my rule of thumb is always get tracking out as soon as you can and ship out next day. So I think that's a hobby pet peeve. And if you're making deals with someone, just have good communication. This girl collects. She says this goes along with what we talked about before, but hyped up athlete who hasn't proved a lot. It's always going to be a part of our hobby, but yeah, it's a little pet peeve when people are putting players who have played, you know, eight games out and trying to make them seem like they're the next big thing. Minnesota Sports Cards 12. People posting cards without a sale price. I hate this. I hate this. Make me an offer. Like, I hate this. Like, I will not get into that game. I just can't. It just, if you got a card, put a price on it. Let me know what you want from it. Throwback sports cards, the herd mentality. A lot of herd mentality in the mainstream. Undisputed sports, the influencers paying, playing God to everyone else in the hobby. These are all really good. I, I, I love these because I think everyone listening can be like, you know what? I, I feel that at some level. Sasha P cards getting sniped, paying over comps. Yeah. We've all been there too. And speaking of Sasha P cards, I'm having him on the program. He is building out something awesome. Top 75 players, NBA, getting their rookie cards, getting those rookie cards signed. He has something awesome going on with his collection. And I thought, you know what? This is cool. I'm excited about what he's doing. I want to have him on the program to talk about it. So Friday, tune in. That's what we're going to be bringing to you. Before I get out of here, I wanted to talk a little bit about hobby myths. I think there's so many, so much just crap and garbage that when we get back into the hobby or trying to navigate that we get exposed to. And I figured like, I see stuff all the time. And I'm like, this is funny. And I can't believe people still say that. And I don't think that's right. And one of the things is I was thinking about this. When I got back into the hobby, people were just like, yeah, you shouldn't really, you know, buy into football players too much because, you know, people, they can't see their faces with the helmets on. And I was just like, that doesn't make sense. And I heard it across several content platforms. And then now look at football cards today. I mean, geez, they're everywhere and people are jacked up about it. So I think the hobby has this way of taking these narratives and trying to 
perpetuate them into a way that when people who don't necessarily know or more naive hear them, they take them as fact. And I don't think this is just a card thing. This is the biggest problem right now with the age of information and the internet and people just creating a bunch of bullshit and then there being a legion of people who follow it for whatever reason. But anyways, I digress. I don't want to get into that. But what I do want to get into is sharing some people's hobby myths and let's try to debunk some of these myths. I'm looking at these. I got them pulled up. Jeremy Lee, J Lee underscore sports card live. You all know Jeremy. He says you can find any card at the national. I love that call out. Um, And as someone who didn't go to the national this year, but also talked to a lot of people who went to the national, I think that is something that, you know, you hear a lot. It's like people go in and they expect them to be, get their grails and they go around, you know, try to dig through everything and don't come up with anything. That's because a lot of the good cards that we want are buried in people's collections. And if they're great, oftentimes they won't move those. So good one, Jeremy Miller time cards. Something must be wrong if it's not graded. I love this one. I have bought, I would say, man, probably 80% of the cards that I bought over the last year or so have been raw cards that I've graded myself. Have they all gymmed? No, but I would say there's a lot of um, really good grades that I've gotten on those cards. Um, and it's probably saved me a lot of money than, than if I were to just try to go buy those cards um, in a PSA 10 or even a PSA 9. One card, one story. Okay. He 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 isn't happy. I've got a uh he isn't happy <laughs> with um some influencers specifically who I don't necessarily want to give complete airtime to, but um something about cards in a list and these things going up. He wants to say the debunked this myth that these cards are always gonna go up forever. So thank you, one card, one story. Sorry for the censorship on that. I'm reading these a little bit for the first time. Mike's Card Museum, all screw-down cases are bad for the cards. Okay, so I don't necessarily have um, you know, a ton of experience on screw-down cases, but Mike's Card Museum saying not all bad in some cases. I know when uh, the people see those cards on eBay and people see them at shows, they take pictures and make a big deal about them. So Mike's Card Museum has, has some thoughts on that. 90s b-ball cards. Myth is some numbered 90s inserts didn't get into packs, thus they are less than stated less thus there are less than the stated print run. Hobby myth debunking it. 90s b-ball cards, Jake, he knows better than anyone, so go check out his YouTube channel. Always a good watch. Trading card finds, rookie cards being highly valuable over anything else. I I love that. I'm a I'm a rookie cards and especially in this era with so many products, I'm a big fan of vet scarce parallel stuff. So I, I can relate to that. Sasha P cards making another appearance. Sign cards are bad. IP autos ruin the card myth. Okay, we're gonna listen. We're gonna hear more about that this week. Drake's PC buying vintage goats is always a safe place to put your money. I think that is. Um, it's a good call out. There's been a lot of conversation of that recently. He also says 
Modern prospect cards should be more expensive than Hall of Famers because the cards are nicer. Drake can't get off of this one. I like it. Uh, Ephus Pitch, breaking is good for the hobby. We could, we could do a whole series on this. This uh, There are so many uh, angles, sides, and perspectives to that story, but he's saying it is a myth, and I, I love that side of the argument. I could hear and I'm not trying to put down breakers by any means, but there is a lot of negativity, and I... I, I stated some up front because of it. Carlson cards. Card prices are based on events, performance, and documentaries. We amen to that one. I totally agree. Apocalypse cards. If a player is approaching a record, that bump in price is built in from the time the record comes. We're getting some facts here. Mostly 90s basketball cards. Goats are safe. We saw that after the run-up on Jordan, Kobe. We've seen Brady's stuff retract. Agreed. He also says... True, the term true rookie card. Love it. And Prism is king. Okay. We're, we're getting some zingers here. Carta uh, Magalia. Soccer market needs a World Cup. Says it's a myth. Doesn't hurt though. Okay. Singapore Texan cards need to be biodegradable to be collectible. That is, I love that. Um, um, Season sports cards, only goats are worth collecting. Man, a lot of goat stuff around that. I love these examples. So much good stuff. There's just so many mentalities, so many perspectives, so much what we hear. We we are an information overload. We have to shrink the sea of the hobby to curate the best hobby experience for ourselves. And we are the ones who are in control of that. So go do it. Go do it. Go follow the people. Go learn from the people. Go share information that you're learning from, that you love, that are making your hobby experience better. The more we do that and the less we let the hobby mainstream be the voice of what we're trying to do as collectors, the better. Because this hobby fucking rules. We love cards. It's our escape. There are so many things that annoy us, but the things that annoy us are directed at a demographic and a segment of the hobby that we shouldn't be losing sleep over it because the intentions that we have are different than them if you like what i'm doing over here hit the follow subscribe all the buttons but most importantly tell a damn friend that you're enjoying sag and slabs podcast sasha p cards on friday's episode we'll talk to you soon peace out <laughs>